What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the laundry room. Kira and Dina are here with you today for another episode of Raising Adults podcast. And what's so special about this particular week is we're also in the midst of a challenge working through detoxing your parenting. And so we just want to give a special shout out to those of you who've joined us in the private Facebook group for that seven-day challenge. And we hope it's really being transformative for you and helping you identify some key areas that you can work on. But for those of you not in the group, don't worry. We are going to be finding continual ways to connect with you as a community of FF peers, and you'll have other chances to jump in and join us on that. But we just wanted to give those people a shout out who are in there and working on their tough stuff. Yeah. It's not easy to like zoom in on your parenting, but I loved um, a lot of the people who signed up said it was really a great opportunity to just focus on that because I think we get so caught up in our lives that it is really challenging to try Mm -hmm. and make changes. And so having like a whole week where the whole point is to just focus on transforming your parenting and just really getting thoughtful about the places where maybe things aren't working. Um, I just hope it's been great for everybody. We've loved it. We've had such a good time. good point. I mean, we don't, even though we're talking about all the time and it's what we do, really to have a chance to just carve out time for it and focus on it in a really specific way. I don't know that we always get to do that. So that's true. No, it's, it's a treat. It's the mental choice, right? I know I'm zooming in on this for a week mm-hmm. and I'm going to come out the other side feeling more confident and stronger. Um, just, just yeah, just that idea. Because I think sometimes also, I mean, I think about this with like health and fitness and all these areas, we get overwhelmed thinking about the long haul, especially as future focused parents, mm-hmm. right? It's overwhelming sometimes, but boiling it down to, hey, just for seven days, let's zoom in and see how we can really kick things off in a positive way makes it just more manageable, It does. It's like taking something huge and making it into a bite-sized chunk and saying, all right, maybe there's this piece I'm going to focus on doing this part better and just dialing that in a little bit because it is true. I think if you're a big-picture thinker and we advocate for big-picture thinking and long-range thinking, sometimes then the details get lost or we feel like we don't have time to devote to those details. But those little details are what make up that long-range plan, so they're really essential. Yep. Completely. Okay. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about common courtesies. Now, many of you who've been with us from the beginning or maybe gone back and binge listened, you've heard our episode on manners, but we're going beyond the simple please and thank you and excuse me today to talk about things like RSVPs and thank you notes and is this dying? When did common courtesy become uncommon? We're wondering about that. <laughs> I love and that. And we're going to talk about it today as well as give you strategies for keeping common courtesy alive as you parent. Yes. It's so important. So should we do our whys? Yes, we I, should. I have two whys. But let's hear them. One is really noble and the other one is really not. I'm going to be totally honest here and out myself. And I think it's interesting because you know, you and I sit on different sides politically, which you're like, how are we going into politics, Kira? But bear with me. <laughs> it's a rabbit trail. I love those. Um, and I have often said that I think 
I'm, you know, I'm left wing, I'm a liberal, and I think that liberals are idealists and that um, conservatives are realists and that that's sometimes where we collide. And it's one of the things I actually admire about the right is I do think they operate from a place of, hey, this is the world we live in. This is the reality. Like, let's be honest. Um, and it's been interesting to explore that. My why in this situation is a- around realism and not idealism. Oh. <laughs> so, or at least one of my whys is. So I'm on the other side today, which is kind of interesting. So my noble why is the idealistic part, which is that let's be nice to each other. Let's be kind. Like whether we agree with the social mores that have been set up, they're here, they exist. And it's important that we're operating within them because it sets a tone for our communication. It sets a tone for our relationships and just how we move through the world. Are we moving through the world selfishly or are we moving through the world recognizing that there's other people in the world, just like we talk about all the time with other perspectives and blah, blah, blah. And part of how we do that is acknowledging that the same common courtesy that we would appreciate, we should probably be giving to someone else. So that was really important to me. But my realism why, my not so noble why, (laughs) is that we live in a world where people who behave in a way that shows common courtesy stand out at the moment, which because it's not mm-hmm. so common anymore. And a great example of this is I got a job once because I was the only candidate who wrote a thank you note. And I, that was before I had kids. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I have to raise my adults so that they stand out so that they are seen to be good human beings who are respectful and kind and go the extra mile, partly because that matters to me, but partly because that's going to set them up for success. And that's the realism. Like, it's yucky. It, it feels awkward to, like, admit that to all of you. But it's true. I knew, like, when my kids started school, I wanted them to be the kids that went up to the teacher, shook their teacher's hand, introduced themselves, that they already were standing out amongst the crowd as being the wonderful little people that I know they are. And part of how I did that was focusing on common courtesy. You know, to have a two-year-old who's able to order politely at a restaurant was a big deal. I mean, we got comments on it all the time. Like, wow, your two-year-olds are ordering for themselves so politely. And the kids would, like, get an extra piece of pie because they were so amazed. (laughs) But it then positively reinforced my children Wow, when we do those things that mom says are important, look how the world responds. And I don't, and this is where it's yucky. It's like, I don't love that idea, but within the culture that we live in and the realism of the world, it was important. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I don't think you can really be faulted for wanting to position your children well so that they can navigate through the world successfully. Thank you. (laughs) That makes me feel better. I think it's fair. I also have a noble and a selfish why. Mine is way more selfish than yours. Yours at least was like, and then the world will notice them. They will stand out. No, mine is much worse. So my noble one is uh, honestly about thinking in terms of this idea of consideration and that I know I appreciate it when I receive courtesy Mm -hmm. and I wanted to teach my children to treat other people the way they would hope to be treated. And everybody talks about the golden rule, like treat others as you want to be treated. It actually comes from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so my kids learned that verse when they were little. It was on our list of family values. And the so in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Like they were able to say it when they were like three. But it actually does matter to me. I mean, all the like joking aside and all their little reciting of 
the family rules. It it is such a big deal to me to, that they learn to think. How would I feel? Mm-hmm. How do I feel when I when I have somebody be kind to me versus when someone isn't or when I don't experience courtesy? And I wanted them to want to give to others what they would hope to receive. Mm-hmm. And be able to say, I know you'd do the same for me, you know, develop those kind of relationships. And so that was a big deal. And I feel like that one comes from a more noble place of our values, our faith paradigm, all of that. My non-noble one, again, like yours was still, in my opinion, noble, (laughs) is that it frustrates the out of me when I don't receive common courtesy. I get just, it, it. I don't know, for some reason, it's a pet peeve of mine. If someone, A, doesn't RSVP, I don't even know. Do I do I buy food for you? I, do I? I don't know. <laughs> or better yet, you've RSVP'd and then you don't show. Wow, thanks. I'm glad I bought food for you. Yeah, without a text at least <laughs> yes, or something like that. To let right? me know your plans changed. Or I guess the third variation, no RSVP and you show up. And that's just a dumb example. But I noticed my own frustration level rises. And guess what? When I'm raising adults, I don't want to raise adults who become that frustration for someone else. No thanks. That's not what I'm about. So totally not noble, admitting that it's selfish. But I like common courtesy. I appreciate when it's offered. I am frustrated when it's missing from the world. And I don't want my kids contributing to that. Yes. I totally agree. And it's really interesting what you said at the top of the show because is it even common anymore? I'm not I'm not convinced that it is. It's becoming like uncommon courtesy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's becoming like more and more acceptable to do all these crazy things. And I don't know if it's social media that's causing that or the pace of the world that we live in. Like, I I can't quite figure it out. But we've been talking recently um, about ghosting. Mm -hmm. And so if anybody's ever written into the show or guests who've been on the show, I mean, anybody who's ever reached out to us knows you don't get ignored. We reply to every single email and we do it quickly. Um, And we were talking with another professional just the other day and she was like, I can't believe I sent out all these emails and hardly anyone wrote back. And I just, I can't understand that. I can't. You, you, Someone has been vulnerable and put themselves out there. Even if you are going to say, like, if we've said no to a guest, we've always responded quickly and courteously. Thank you so much for getting in touch. We don't feel it's the right fit or, you know, we're fully booked at this time or whatever. It's such a simple, small thing. How have we lost time to connect with each other in this human way? And maybe that's the issue. I think maybe I'm like (laughs) rabbit trailing myself (laughs) to an answer. But it's like we are so disconnected now as we talk, as everyone's talking about, right, in this modern world. Mm -hmm. We email. technology. You know, we're more connected and less connected than ever before. That's right. And so we are losing this sense of humanity and, we're, and that's why empathy is going out the window. It's why politically we're so divided. Like, no one's seeing each other as human anymore. And I think maybe that's the problem. That could at least be a piece of it, I'm sure. Because I think we're losing some of those touch points. Yeah. And, and as we talk about with rehearsing and modeling and how big that is, we also have a whole generation that isn't getting as many opportunities to practice. They're not seeing it modeled well, and they're not having to do it as often. If you're behind a screen, you're not out there holding a door for somebody or writing a thank you note or whatever. And and I also think sometimes technology has been a piece of that, even with the RSVP thing that I brought up, because now there's evites and it's like, oh, well, I forgot to click on it and it went into the bottom of my inbox right. rather than I have to give this person a quick call and let them know I'm coming. But then I go, 
it's so easy to just click yes or no or whatever. But in making things easier, it's ah. made things, it's like yesterday. We were at a speaking gig yesterday. Um, Wonderful. We had such a good time. We should actually say a huge thank you to your alma mater. Yes. Seattle Lutheran (laughs) High School, thanks for having us and letting us come share with your parent community about anxiety, which is such an important topic. Yes, we did such a a really important talk on teens and anxiety. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Um, (laughs) But we were trying to set up, remember the laptop? Yes. And we had all, and it was like, here's the situation that's supposed to be so easy. We create a PowerPoint and it can be played anywhere. All you have to do is plug it into this little thing but no it's so much more complicated so i think even in the the season that we're in of like evites which is seemingly easier is it and here's the other thing one of the things that we've lost that i think is grossly underestimated is the phone the landline mm-hmm. because it used to be the phone rang like i remember my my parents sat me down and taught me how to politely answer, answer the, the phone. phone may yes. i say who's calling just a moment, please. I mean, like, you know, I remember it. And, like, no one has to do that. We all have cell phones, you know. And so I've actually taught my kids how to answer the phone anyway because I'm like, you never know. They might have a reception job. They might – who right. knows? They're going to need to know how to answer the phone. Um, but because we're not calling each other, we're not having to make, you know, polite interactive conversation in the same way. We text with emojis. I mean, we don't even use words anymore. It, it – the whole th- okay i'm on my soapbox i'm hopping off now <laughs> oh, are we old i mean i feel like we sound like curmudgeons like don't remember the days when <laughs> when people showed common I mean, courtesy i think that's just it though is how unfortunate that we sound old because we care about these things and i think i want to raise children who become adults that are willing to be old in this way Right. This is a this is an old I can get behind. If this makes me an old soul, I'm all so about it. it. That's right. Okay, so let's talk about practicals. Yes. Let's move into those practicals. So what are some of the things that you were really on top of when, with regard to common courtesy and how did you explain it to the kids and how did you implement it? Well, my first thing that was so important to me to get to say today is please don't despair if you have teens and you haven't done this yet, you can always make course corrections. And we've talked before, it's totally fine to sit down and let your family know, oh, things are going to look different. I've let this little area slide. And for you, maybe it is this. You know, we've kind of let this common courtesy thing slide and we're going to get back on track. But if you're not in that situation or if you're listening and you're expecting or you have little people, my biggest advice is lay the foundation for this early because what is done well and often becomes a habit. And Aristotle said, excellence is not an act, it's a habit. It's not a one-time thing. And I often talk to my kids about aiming for excellence. Don't aim for mediocrity, aim for excellence. But when you're just used to conducting yourself this way, it doesn't feel like a burden. It doesn't feel, oh, I got to write thank you notes. It's like, well, this is just what we do. And so if you have that opportunity, that's my biggest recommendation. And here are some ways to do that because some of you might even be thinking, well, I have a toddler and we'd love to start this and I want to teach them about being kind and courteous, but they can't even write. So let's take thank you notes as an example. When when my children were pre-legibly literate, like if what they wrote (laughs) looked crazy, then I just even had them draw a picture or a little scribble. I wrote the note. Thank you so much for da 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 and let them draw a picture. And then I would draw an arrow to the picture and tell the benefactor 
what the picture was of. Like I would ask them, you know, when they were just teeny, they could maybe just put a scribble on it. And I was like, this is Marcelino's contribution, you know, whatever. But even by like three or four, I could say, for instance, can you draw a picture of you wearing the new sweater you got from your auntie? And then I can write, this is her version of her and her new sweater. Thank you so much. So they can participate even with pictures before they're able to do words. Often also one of the first words children learn to write is their name. So then you can go to this next level where maybe you still write the note, but they get to sign their own name, maybe in a colored marker or crayon or something fun. And you can also have them start dictating the note to you. What would you like to say to so-and-so to thank them for that toy they got you? So it's cute because then it also comes out in their language and their vernacular, which of course often still sounds like that little person. And I know as an adult, when I've received those kinds of notes, they just bless my heart because I'm hearing how they would say it. And so I'm not bothered that it's the parent who wrote it. I'm hearing their words and it's still from their heart. And then of course you progress to where eventually they're writing it. But another really important thing here that this might help you think about is for it not to become a burden as they're first starting to write. It also is important that you keep the guest list small. If you're telling a six-year-old, we've got 20 thank you notes to write, they will want to melt mm -hmm. and understandably so. So a couple tips there. We did bigger parties actually when they were little and knew no different. And I was the one writing the notes and they were just adding a little picture. And then once they were writing the notes, we actually would do maybe the number of guests of how old they were turning mm -hmm. to keep it manageable. If we had a larger party, we might say, we're going to do two each day until these are done with a goal of everyone has their thank you note mailed out within two weeks of the party or whatever. So you might have to think about ways to break that into manageable pieces because I do think there is a definite potential for meltdown, mm -hmm. nuclear, whatever, reactor, if they feel like this is a huge task, it's way too much, and it's beyond their frame. We talk about that a lot, really matching where they're at developmentally. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've basically said everything that I would say on this topic. That's exactly what we did. The only piece I would add is that even if you get those meltdowns, we persevere. Yes, we do. Because of course they're going to melt down. It is overwhelming. I got to be honest with you. When when I started this, I was like resentful of presents for the children because I was like, now this means I have to like scratch out, you know, 15 mm -hmm. thank you notes and get them to draw the pictures. But it's that long game that we talk about all the time. It doesn't make the choice easy. It might be the harder choice, but it's the right choice because now my eight-year-olds, they know okay, who, who are we going to write a thank you notes to? And I have the little list and they bust them out. They do one or two a day and it's no big deal. And they now it's been lovely to watch them because they will make a card. So they'll like fold a piece of paper, oh. they'll draw a picture on the front, they'll write the little note. But when they draw the picture, they'll say like, you know, what does Auntie Sue like? And then they'll draw a picture of something so that means something to her. And that's because we've been doing this since they could draw. So it's exactly what you said. It's ingrained in them. Um, so I will not add anything to what you just said because I think everything you just said is spot on. Um, and I will talk about the common courtesy of ordering at restaurants, please and thank yous out in the world, mm. grocery stores, all of that. So important. So we started this when they were pre-verbal with sign language, which we yes. talked about on the manners for pleases and thank yous. Um, and I also, I think I talked about this on the manners episode, when they were littler, I did a lot of explaining why we're saying please and why we're saying thank you. You know, when someone says please, it makes me feel so good that they've asked nicely and it makes me more likely to want to give them what they want. And when someone thanks me, it makes my heart feel good. And also, 
did it make you feel good when they gave you X, Y, or Z? Well, if it made you feel good, we honor that by saying thank you. So I did a lot of like, unsurprisingly, I did a lot of talking in those (laughs) early years. Now they're like, shut up, mom. (laughs) Enough already. Enough already. Um, But once they were verbal at restaurants, this was huge for me. I was so big into this. I was like, my children will order politely. I will never order their food for them once they were verbal, ever. And I don't. I refuse. And they don't really ask me to do it anymore because it's just, again, it's ingrained Mm -hmm. in them. So I taught them that first and foremost, you look the server in the eyeballs. We talk a lot about like, oh, in the eyeballs. And I still sometimes will do this thing. Uh, one of my children has the habit of like um, talking to me when someone <laughs> asks oh, them a question. Yes. Almost like, am I saying the right thing? <laughs> Checking in with Checking mom. In, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'll do this thing. You can't see me, listener, but I'll like put my two fingers, I'll put my fingers in a V and I'll point to my eyes and then I'll kind of swivel my fingers around to point to the person to remind them, like, look at the person who's talking to you. Um, So we taught them, you look the server in the eye. You say, please, may I have whichever item you've chosen? And we would say, like, you can have chicken nuggets, you can have pizza, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, thank you. And it really didn't take them that long. I mean, I would say a month to figure that out Mm -hmm. of going out for dinner and just saying, oh, can you look the server in the eye? Ask for what you'd like politely. And now they just do it on their own. So it's it's those simple, like consistent choices that are a struggle maybe at, at first, but then you get on the other side of that and then you have kids that can order for themselves, mm-hmm. can, you know, be polite. Another big thing for us was handshaking. Yes. We taught uh, my dad. I remember my dad. Bless my dad. I mean, he really like when I look back on all the things he did to raise an assertive woman, like he wanted a strong daughter. And he said to me, you need to know how to firm handshake. Too many women don't know how to do a firm handshake, and it's not going to get you anywhere in this world if you don't know how to do that. They're not going to take you seriously. So we practiced. So same with the kids. We have little sessions where we practice a firm handshake. When they meet someone new, they know that, and it, you know, and we've talked about this before, they can give a wave or they can look them in the eyes and say hello, but I encourage a firm handshake. And because we are proactive parents, oftentimes if we know we're going to meet someone new, I'll say, I just want to remind you when we meet someone new. We offer our hand and give a nice firm handshake, look them in the eye and say, pleased to meet you. And they do that because, again, we've been doing it since they were two. Mm-hmm. That's so – I was smiling when you were sharing about your dad because my dad did the same thing. And when he practiced with me, he also showed me the opposite. So I had that comparison yes. because I don't think until you have a frame of reference, you know a firm handshake unless you've felt kind of a wimpy one. And so he also would show me that. I don't want to shake a wet noodle. Here's what that feels like. <laughs> exactly what my dad's. <laughs> and so it's so important. And I will say, as raising a son who's been an actor, it's been huge because, especially for children, child actors, I was amazed how few of them would walk right up to the casting director, look them in the eye, say hello, shake their hand, and introduce themselves. Now, actors are introducing themselves all the time with this slate and whatever, but not go up to the table, make an impression. And I I can't tell you how flabbergasted I was, how rare that was. It made Marcelino automatically, well, like you said, it just made him stand out Yep. because he, he carried himself in a way that said, I'm, I care about you, I respect you, and I'm going to give you courtesy right out of the gate. I'm going to actually meet you, not just stand here and do my audition. Well, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no. it's, and I want to hear the rest of, of you know what you did around this. But I think what's so key to remember, if you've ever read um, Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, you know people make decisions immediately about someone. So how, what is the impact as they're watching his audition? 
what is the difference between, oh, now my ears are perked up. I'm, I'm almost, I'm more on your side, I guess is what it is, right? So now I'm watching and I want to, I want you to succeed. I'm that much more interested in what you're putting out there. And how does that actually reframe the whole experience for the casting team, right? Mm -hmm. And impact him in a positive way. It's so, it's so true. And you're actually fine. I was ending that point, but it's what you made me think of with the handshake practice is how much that impacted him as someone who wanted to be an actor at a young age and just those things that are less common now but are so important. And I think the same way about RSVPs and I think this dovetails with if you've listened to it and if you haven't, go back and listen to the decision-making episode. But it, it comes down to this priority thing too because I taught my children not only the courtesy of an RSVP but that once you RSVP, unless there's an emergency, you don't change it because something better came along. Because I think we also have a little bit of a culture of like, yeah, I said yes to that but now I want to do this. And not letting that first host know but also even if you let them know, it's kind of rude. And so we it was such a great opportunity to not only talk about the courtesy of letting people know you to expect you. And even things like if the invitation didn't say, I've taught them to even ask, is there something I can bring? Because mm -hmm. sometimes that host might need some help or maybe it's everybody's pitching into a potluck. And so asking, what have people signed up for so far so that there's not any repeats and things like that? Now with Evite, often we can see what people are bringing and stuff. But among younger kids, they're not always setting up an actual Evite. Even that is like too formal almost. And so just teaching them things about that hierarchy too of how do I prioritize? How do I be a polite guest? How do I honor my host? And how do I also make decisions around that so that my yes means yes and my no means no? Because another thing for me with how big integrity is to me is that I wanted my children to be people of their word. So if I've said I'm going to this, I'm going to this. And sometimes that is going to mean something hard happens, but I just think it's so important. And then I have to piggyback on something you said about the ordering. We've talked about this before, you guys. We've given you lots of little tools and tips. Some are translatable across multiple issues. I would say the restaurant ordering is another great opportunity for I do it, we do it, you do it. Because if they get to see you doing polite ordering and then maybe you practice, okay, mommy's going to ask, please, may I have the chicken nuggets? Then you're going to repeat after me. So you do it a couple times, we do it, and then eventually you hand it off. So that's a tool and a tip that can apply in this situation too. And I just wanted to mention that because when you were talking about it, I was like, oh, it's another spot where you could use that technique. I'm so glad you did. Yes, I knew exactly as soon as you yes. were like, and there's this thing. I was like, I know what she's going to say. Um, yes. Uh, also, can we just take a moment for like, please hold the door open yes. for people. This is just like, I can't even believe. <laughs> and can you please do that whether you have indoor or outdoor plumbing? Because I've actually, I just want to say, I don't think that has to be something that only gentlemen do. I think oh. it, I think it's polite. <laughs> oh, did you just get the plumbing? I, like, I don't understand. I didn't, I didn't want to be inappropriate. Like outhouses? <laughs> Who has an outhouse? <laughs> Maybe at a concert? <laughs> so while I, I certainly emphasize that and I love, I love the, the, the chivalry that my son has and I think his school has been a big part of that. So thankful to them for just teaching how to be a gentleman. I'm not anti that at all, but I've equally taught my daughter. If someone's coming in behind you, just hold the door. Don't don't walk in and let a door shut on somebody. That's just polite. Yeah. So I think that's something we it's worth that that you took a moment for that. Yeah. Let's like have the door moment. Opening. Also things like um at the grocery store, whenever I had my kids with me, I always had them thank the checker as we left. Thank you. 
right? And thank our bagger. Thanks for bagging our – it's just Mm -hmm. like simple, simple things. But I think what it does over time is it teaches them to move through the world with an appreciation of their connection to everyone in it. The checker isn't just there for my whim. They're at a job. They're doing something that's helpful to me so that I can get groceries, and I'm going to honor that. Yes. The bagger is making it so that I don't have to bag my own groceries, which, by the way, in the UK, you bag your own groceries. It's not fun. Um, so thank you, bagger. I am never more grateful than when someone bags my groceries. It's those things. But for me, and I've talked about my overarching why is mentally healthy and happy, right? Mentally well. And for me, a lot of that is about the relationships that they have. So here's the other thing. When you are a person of your word, when you move through the world with gratitude and genuinely in an effort to connect with the people around you and awareness and empathy and blah, 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 all these things help you build strong relationships. You're going to have a relationship with someone who's like, that person always keeps their word. And when they can't, they always have the common courtesy to let me know and keep me informed and you're more likely to have a good relationship with that person and all the science shows that mental and emotional health is connected to our relationships so it's like it it's how all these things connect together which is really about us setting our kids up well we i mean it is it's like maybe you're right it's it is noble we want our kids to turn into adults who have healthy, happy lives, right? Mm-hmm. That move through the world in a way that is that feels good to them and the people around them. And this, it seems so small. How's a thank you note going to do that? But it's a connection to another human being in a way that makes them feel good, that builds that relationship. And that's why common courtesy is so important. I agree. And I only have, I have one last thing to say dot, because dot, dot. period, <laughs> now ellipsis. Okay. Uh, ellipse, sorry. No, it's ellipses, isn't it? Well, Let's say it's all of the above. Today, dot, dot, dot. today we're going to say dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Insert your favorite word for that here. <laughs> okay. So what you just said, though, really crystallized for me what I think is this kind of final takeaway. And that is people want to be seen. Mm-hmm. And when you have common courtesy, you're basically saying, I see you. And that we just, we just high-fived each other. I think that's so important. That's all interconnected. It's what you talked about with relationships. I mean, little things like I have a huge cart and I see you only have two things. I'm going to say, would you like to go in front of me in the line? Yeah, I see you. I see you. Oh. Or someone who's waiting for a seat and I already have one. I'm going to stand up and offer them my seat. I see you. And I think we all want to be seen. So again, this is why it ties for me in treating others the way you hope to be treated. See them, care about them in all these small ways, because all these small things add up to a really big thing, which is raising a courteous human. So important. I love you. Oh, I have a quote. You're like my favorite person. Ah, Seriously. I mean, I love, yes, that, what Dina said. Once again, you've taken my rabbit trail and summed it up beautifully. I see you. We take turns because just last night at our speaking engagement, Kira said something so amazingly. And then she handed me the mic, said, do you have anything to add? And I said, what she said. <laughs> so, I mean, it goes both ways. I'm 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 blessed to work with someone so brilliant. Oh, I love that you have a quote. But can we take a moment, listeners, for like she dropped Aristotle like 20 minutes ago. Oh, as Aristotle says. <laughs> oh, the word nerd is still oh, in there. She's still there. OK, this quote is by Ty Howard. And what it highlights that I love is how when you lay a foundation, eventually these things become natural. They're not hard work. They're just how you operate. Here's what Ty Howard says. Common courtesy or respect should not be or feel like a grand gesture when you give it. 
when it's a part of your value system and upbringing, it comes and flows from you naturally. Yes, what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, before we finish up, um, just a little thank you and gratitude again to all of you for listening and for the amazing reviews and the engagement and all the good things. And just as Dina always says, thank you because you are our marketing team. So if you're listening and you're loving the show, we would feel so seen by you giving us a great review because we are in this laundry room every week wanting to bring you the best of us. And so if you can take a moment and just write us a great review, if you're on iTunes or CastBox, I believe those are the only two places where you can review, um, or just recommend our Future Focus Parenting page on Facebook or post in a mom's group like, hey, I listened to this great podcast. You guys should check it out. It's called Raising Adults. All of those little things, much like with Common Courtesy, those little tiny things make a huge impact on us. Like it is – I can't even describe how one small share impacts our numbers. It's remarkable. Mm -hmm. So thank you, thank you to those of you that have already done that. And if you're new to the laundry room, welcome. Enjoy. Thank you for being with us. It's true. You – are our best marketing. And even if it's like a shout out on social media or tagging us, we appreciate you. And the bottom line is Kira and I care deeply and passionately about good parenting. And so we want to reach as many parents as possible with it. And if it's helping you and you tell someone else, that just enables us to help more people. So we appreciate that because it allows us to benefit more of you who are walking through this parenting journey. And we want to walk alongside you. Thanks so much again for listening today, and we hope it's been helpful. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded in Kira's Laundry Room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.